Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Diving into the state of the unit. Defensive tackles picking it right back up. We're picking it right back up. I'm going to talk to you about why I think this change is what's really going to make this unit or this defense truly elite. Uh huh. Plus, in the roundup, we got some contract talk. Updates on, or rumors, I should say. Rumors on specific contracts revolving these Dallas Cowboys, but my goodness, it feels so good to be back, Bomb Squad. What's goody? Bomb Squad! What's happening out there, man? Look, I absolutely enjoyed the break. I want to say two things about having this break. I had a chance for really the first time since I've done this to just be with the fam, be with my family, my boys, my lady, and just live in that and kind of remove myself a little bit from Dallas Cowboys talk. I couldn't completely get away from it. I'm watching all my content brothers uh, and sisters, right? I'm watching uh, Law and Boss and those guys and and, and, and the final word. They're all doing fantastic work. Tuck, Rome, everybody continuing, even Vach putting out the videos, everybody continuing to do their thing. And that's why I think this community is so damn strong because we can go so many different places, right? But then as I'm getting closer and and, and I'm waking up and I'm like, man, I'm kind of missed the bomb squad a little bit. I, I miss the bomb squad. I, I miss the back and forth, the banter, the the camaraderie, the the family atmosphere we have, and, and what makes this morning show special, man. So I'm excited to be back. And like I said today, we're going to be talking Dallas Cowboys defensive tackles heading into training camp uh, and into the season, really, because most of these guys will probably be here, right? Most of them will probably be here, but. There might be one or two of them dudes that might not be two. So we'll get into all that. Uh, how was the break? Really wasn't a break, right, for, for y'all. But how was this week off for you guys, right? I see somebody in the chat already brought up the Dunk the Clown. Yeah, okay, look. Back in the, the 90s, early 90s, that era was probably one of the worst eras for WWF. But it had a couple guys in there I liked, and I liked Doink. So I had to rock the Doink today. Uh, but I hope the, the break wasn't too bad for y'all. We're back. We're live. And I think it'll be a good show. Um, again, if you want to call in, as we always do, you can. 351-999-8787 is the call in line. We'll talk. If you want to talk about the DeAndre Hopkins thing, D-Hop went to the Titans. Shout out to our uh, parent company, 
A to Z Sports Nashville. They got D Hop. Uh, there's the ESPN Jeremy Fowler, I think, or something like that. They dropped a top 10 quarterback list. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Or not tomorrow, Wednesday. I'm on Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. We'll talk about that on Wednesday. But there's a lot to get into when you miss a week. There's so many things that uh, come up. Salute to Scotty. Scotty said he just started a new job, man. So salute to you, uh, Mr. Scotty. I hope everything goes well with that. All right. Enough about me, enough of of the intro. Let's get into this Cowboys talk. That's exactly why you guys are here. So let's get into the roundup. It's time for it's time for the morning roundup. Round them up, boys. Hey, yo. Been a minute since I said that. So today, believe it or not, if, if you haven't really been listening out there in these rumor streets, is the deadline for the Cowboys to get a deal done for one Tony Pollard. Now, yesterday, I believe like midday, maybe later in the day, uh, reports came out that the Cowboys are unlikely to do a deal with Tony Pollard. Now, for us, if you've been on this show, if you've been listening to a lot of uh, Cowboys creators, content creators, or really .com, I don't think anyone expected the Cowboys to do a long-term deal with Tony Pollard, right? Uh, The running back position, the value has went down, so it won't be a a massive contract like it was for an Ezekiel Elliott. However, however, I don't believe the Cowboys are in a market for really paying running backs like that uh, right now. It doesn't help that that TP came off the injury, right? But but everything is looking good for him injury-wise. Nonetheless, they have till 3 p.m. Central to come down with the deal. Can we play a bit of a hypothetical game here? Let's say, hypothetically speaking, things change. Because that was a report. The report was, unless something changes, there will be no deal. If they were to sign TP to a long-term deal, what would you want that deal to look like? I can can definitely listen to you explain why you would want him on a three-year deal, four-year deal with a two-year out. I can listen to it. But if we're talking about long-term contracts in four or five years, you know, and it's going to hit your cap 14, 15 plus million, those days should be over for for the Cowboys and for most of the league, honestly, in my opinion. Uh, I I wouldn't want it to be anywhere near that. But if you're talking about a three or four-year deal, you can get out of it after two. Your cap doesn't really get affected beyond, you know, eight to nine at tops 10 million. I could live with that for a few more years until they figure out the position if they wanted to do that. But I can also live with them just taking a running back every year. I mean, I, I'm not going to fake the fuck to you. It, if he doesn't sign a long-term deal, I would not be upset about it. I do hope that the young man gets his bag, though, because he's done nothing but play for peanuts, and, and every time he's come in, he's performed. He's been your best back, in my opinion, for the last two years. So... I hope he gets his bag. If it's not with the Cowboys, it's it's, it's with someone else. Uh, but I, I think a huge breakout year is coming for Tony Pollard, Cowboys Nation. I do. Uh, Toxic said, 
can you name me one running back extension our front office has done well? I, that's fair. Uh, you, you could also argue just around the league, running back extensions haven't fared too greatly. Now, uh, Aaron Jones is still doing well. Uh, Dalvin Cook played well, but he got cut. But if you look at all the guys that have, have gotten those extensions, a good handful of those dudes either aren't with the team anymore or starting to see their decline, including one Ezekiel Elliott, right? Uh, you've got Derrick Henry, who's lived up to his, but you can see the wear and tear starting to pile up on Derrick Henry, which is wild when you go back and look. He had 1,500 yards left. Unbelievable. I'm seeing some, some three years, 15, three years, 13, yeah. So I don't think that'll get it done, but... I hear y'all, you know, 5 million per two broke said nothing more than three, four at seven to eight. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to get him a, who was it? Uh, Austin Eckler type of deal last year. I, I think we all sensed TP was about to take over this backfield, but it, it's kind of hard to, to pay Pollard last year with Ezekiel Elliott still on the team, his contract and whatnot. So I think they elected to keep going. And which wasn't a terrible, a terrible decision because you got a chance to see TP featured more. And I think you can, you, you can definitely tell that he can be a number one back for you. Doesn't mean he needs to be a workhorse, but he definitely can be a number one back for you. So Tony Pollard deadline is today for the deal. Reports are, they don't expect it to happen. On the contrary though, per SI.com. The Cowboys and my cousin Terrence Steele are in negotiations for a long-term deal. And here's the quote that they would like to get a cowboy for life type of deal. The last cowboy for life deal was what Tyron. Now I don't expect, I don't expect, I don't expect, Terrence Steele's contract to be 10 years, a hundred and something million dollars. But Cowboys Nation, I, I might be on an island here with a few of y'all, but I'm all for pay, paying Ty, uh, not Tyron, Terrence Steele on a long-term deal because you know what that's going to do? It might look expensive early on, but if this thing stretches six, seven years, by the time you hit that third and fourth year, his value is going to be so great we're going to be talking about Terrence Steele's contract as one of the most uh, valuable contracts in the entire National Football League. In the same way we've been doing it with Tyron Smith when he was playing and healthy, right? Tyron Smith signed that lifetime deal back in what, 2014 or something, 15, whatever it was. And he was playing on a cheap contract forever. And I think that's the type of deal they're looking for for a Terrence Steele, uh, an undrafted free agent. Playing on $4 million right now. Coming off of the ACL injury, but looks to be ahead of schedule. And if he is ahead of schedule, and he indeed does start the season, which I anticipate he will, this is what the potential starting offensive line could and should be to start the season. As long as Tyron Smith doesn't get hurt. Or anybody for that matter. Left tackle Tyron. Left guard Tyler Smith. Center, let me, Pro Bowl, Tyler Biotish. Right guard, future Hall of Famer, Zach Martin. And then right tackle, Terrence Steele. 
this group right here played zero games together in 2022. Zero. And when you're talking about pure health, just if this team is healthy, this offense line is healthy, you can, yes, argue this is a top 10 offensive line in the league, which is why I say, yeah, if these dudes are healthy, absolutely you line this line up and you play and you play, you should be playing well. Like we've, we've talked about over the last number of months, when it comes to tiring, likely health is not happening, right? And then you're moving Tyler out and now we're playing musical chairs. You just hope it doesn't affect this offensive line that much. You hope it's just a one-off. Last year, you saw Terrence go down, Tyler Biotis go down, and Tyron Smith go down. Since Mike McCarthy has been here, that's pretty much all he's he's seen up front is a, a bunch of injuries. So I'm hoping we can buck that trend and the Cowboys can at least see some solid health up front heading into the playoffs. Because last year, y'all, Terrence still wasn't available. If you guys remember Tyler Biotish, he missed the last game of the season. He got injured against the Titans. Now he came back and, and he was fine. And then obviously Tyron Smith was playing hurt and playing at right tackle, not playing that well. So praying to the football gods for no injuries and good health, because if these guys can stay healthy for at least 12 to 13 games, and then the major part, right, heading into the playoffs, this offensive line is more than good enough to get it done, y'all, in my opinion. More than good enough to get it done. And that would do it for today's morning roundup. Let's get back to y'all and see what you guys got here in the chat. What's good, y'all? What's good? Uh, Toxic says, Sky, it's amazing that unlike Garrett, when we lose people, Mike has his team ready. The power of a real NFL coach. Absolutely. And there were some coaching rankings which i try to stay away from these rankings as much as possible off season though i I guess it's fun whatever that that, you know i've been seeing mike mccarthy rank so low and it's just mind-boggling context you know context matters is what i started this channel on and actually not this specific one because this is like the second channel but it's what i started this run on is that context matters in, in in the big media and these other outlets they leave it out how do you look at the context of what Mike McCarthy has dealt with here in Dallas and say he's the 26th best coach, best head coach in the league? How do you do that? How do you, how do you look at his resume in Green Bay? And you can, you can say, well, he had Aaron Rodgers. People are forgetting Aaron Rodgers was on the bench. Aaron Rodgers was being developed by a Mike McCarthy. And did it take long for him to surpass Mike? No. But Mike McCarthy helped in Aaron Rodgers' development. That goes down. Cooper Rush, probably the league's 40th best best quarterback, 50th best quarterback in the league, whatever, right? He comes in, goes 5-1 as a, as a starter. McCarthy gets no credit for that. McCarthy gets no credit for keeping this organization, you know, with the Joneses hanging over top of him, afloat, where he had to deal with a... Kellen Moore gets no credit for that. Context doesn't matter when it comes to this team. Uh, people don't care. And, you know, when it comes to these rankings, they they throw it completely out, which is why I kind of ignore them as best I can. But I just thought it was very interesting that, you know, McCarthy is somewhere in the 20s as a head coach. 
look, you can, you don't have to put him in your top five or whatever, but there's no way you can tell me there's 20 something better head coaches in this league. Stop. Just stop. Marv said, you can say that about most coaches they had. Uh, so, and so yeah, I mean, sure. You can put context on, you should put context on everyone. Right. But when you add context to a Mike McCarthy and his resume, there's no way he's a 20 something. He has a Super Bowl. He's been to four or five NFC championship games. Back, he's done something in Dallas that no head coach has done since 1996. Back to back double digit win seasons. That alone, you know? Like, I like Brian Dayball. Don't get me wrong. I like Brian. How the hell was Brian Dayball a top seven head coach after one season as a head coach? That's wild to me. Wow. Nonetheless, it is what it is. Shout out to my bro in the building, Vosh Lombardi, man. Yes, sir. Look, next week, we are back live on the Vosh Lombardi live show. Uh, your boy, Sky, and Vosh will be teaming back up. And then the following week, we should be down in training camp. I'm so excited for that, man. Already getting that ready. Everything uh, moving for that. All right. I do too, Lee. Lee said he hates rankings. I do too. And that's why you don't really see me do a bunch of rankings Except I might do a roster ranking uh, a little bit later. So. <laughs> it depends. We'll see how the content goes. We'll see how the, t the content goes. Let's change the subject here. Let's turn the page here. We just looked at a bunch of contracts uh, for Tony Pollard, Terrence Steele. There was also another contract that came down over the wire over the weekend. And shout out to, I call him Vach's son. <laughs> Quentin Williams. We talk about getting the bag and we're talking about defensive tackles today, right? Quinnen Williams became the latest defensive tackle to sign a mega contract this offseason, says Adam Schefter. And here are the, the contracts here. Quinnen got four years, 96. Jeffrey Simmons got four years, 94. Deron Payne, four years, 90. Dexter Lawrence, four years, 90. Javon Hargrave, four years, 84. And then Ella Oliver, I believe, got four years, uh, in 84 as well. You're starting to see the value of interior defenders go up, Cowboys Nation. Be it pass rush or, or run stoppers, whatever. These guys hold value. And when we got Dan Quinn here, that was something that I thought Dan Quinn would see trending in the league. And implement here in Dallas. And he tried. Now, again, you're going to need to win the trust of this front office to allow Dan Quinn to kind of take more chances than the team has done in the past. That's why you saw them say, yeah, yeah, okay, Dan. We'll give you a little breathing room. Draft a six-round defensive tackle. Big guy. We'll give you a little bit of breathing room. Sign a veteran guy. Uh, 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 the big, not, not big country, but the first big country we had. Uh, the tall, I can't remember his name. He played for the Bears. He played for the Ravens. Then Dan Quinn started gaining their trust. And once he gained their trust, the Cowboys finally did something they hadn't done since Russell Maryland. And that was draft a defensive tackle in the first round. That's important. When you look around the league, there are 18 defensive tackles making at least $50 million or more on their contracts. Only three of them were drafted outside of the first or second round. Javon Hargrave, DJ Reader, Draymond Jones. 
18 DTs are making 50 million or more, only three drafted outside the first or second round. It harkens back to what I was talking about heading into draft season. When the Mozzie Smith conversation brought up, I said, hell yeah, I would love to have Mozzie Smith. And if I don't give a damn at 26 or the second round, but you got to take the chance on a guy like this early, because if you want, if you want one of those type of defensive tackles, nine times out of 10, you've got to get them early. You can't wait around to round five, six, seven, and expect to get that type of production from those guys. You might get a rotational guy. You might get a, a role player, and that's fine. But if you want a difference maker like that, it has to come early. Another reason why you had to get a guy like Mozzie Smith, in my opinion. Last year, the Cowboys allowed opposing running backs to gain three or more yards before contact on 25% of carries. That ranked 21st in the league. See, we can look at yards per game. We can look at uh, yards per carry. You know, yards per carry to me hold a little bit more weight than yards per game. But yards per carry and yards per game. But when you look at yards before contact, to me, that tells me that you're not winning the line of scrimmage. Three yards or more before somebody is touched is crazy. Ranked 20, 21st in the NFL. Now, obviously, it's no secret the Cowboys got better when they got a Jonathan Hankins. That ranking increased because he is a true run-stopping nose tackle. But Hankins is, is more of a stopgap type of dude, right? He's not a long-term solution. Yes, they re-signed Hankins, and we'll get to that here in a second. But he's not a long-term solution, which is why you had to give him some help. And that's why you go out and you get a Mozzie Smith. I'll say this and I'll say this clearly. If you want to be one of them ones, you have to be forceful in stopping the run. Hear me when I say this. Well, Sky, under Rob Marinelli, the Cowboys were top five a couple times in, in yards per game and whatnot against the ground. Nah, nah. Fool's goal. Let me tell you why it's fool's goal. During Jason Garrett era, this team was much more of a control offense, play keep away, uh, North Carolina four corners basketball style of defense. It wasn't about being forceful and stopping the run. In fact, Rob Marinelli could care less about bringing in guys that actually stopped the run. He wanted you to stop the run on the way to the passer. It was more about play keep away. If you look at the history of this league, most of the dominant defenses force you to stop the run. They force you to throw the ball. They put you in tough situations because you can't get past their bigs up front. So you're in third and eight, third and 12 or what have you. The Cowboys problem over the last number of years, even with leading the league in turnovers, leading the league as a pass rush defense or whatever, is that when teams wanted to run, majority of them could do it enter a Jonathan Hankins it got a bit better here and maybe that is what gave this team the confidence to go get a Mozzie Smith so the importance of this unit is extremely real and I think the tweak 
that they're going to make could be the reason why this team, I think, becomes elite. This defense becomes elite or potentially one of them ones because they are stacked on the corners. We reviewed that. They're stacked back there at safety, right? They're stacked on the defense ends. You don't necessarily need to be crazy stacked at, at linebacker. You just got to have guys that got talent, speed, that complements your defense well. I think they have that, but that unit needs this unit, defensive tackles, to play their best ball. Coach Floyd, who just got signed on to the Cowboys to be the assistant defensive line coach, he's, he sat down. He spoke with uh, the draft team, right? And, and we, we played this audio before, but let's listen to it one more time on the tweak that is going to be made up front that I think will help everybody, honestly, on this defense. This is Coach Floyd talking about disrupting keys. Uh, this year, we're really going to focus on disrupting the, our, our keys knocking back that uh, that guy as opposed to looking in the backfield um, I think by doing so we'll give the linebackers a chance to play in their gaps as, as opposed to always trying to fight to get in their gap on a down you know so um, it's most definitely important and we're going to definitely fix those things and play harder in those areas this year to make the defense better I thought this is one of the the biggest nuggets to come out of all those coaches sitting down. I don't even know if coach was supposed to say any of this, but this was such an important nugget to come out because if you, if you guys remember, um, we talked about this team doing a lot of stunts. We talked about this team uh, playing a lot of uh, peak and shed. And you heard him talk about that. Instead of peeking in the backfield, looking in the backfield, I want you to dis disrupt that man in front of you so that my linebackers can fill this gap a lot easier. I think that tweak is going to help everyone across that defensive line, especially the LVEs of the world behind them who need these defensive tackles to help keep these guys clean. And I think there's a misconception. Um, keeping guys clean isn't just being a, a big, sloppy, 360-pound dude who just sits there at the line of scrimmage and just takes on double teams. No, you have to be disruptive. You have to disrupt that guard. And Vach is in the building. You have to disrupt that guard from getting to that next level. You have to disrupt that guard from maybe coming down uh, on, on a combo block where he's 1-2 on a defensive tackle and getting up to the, to the linebacker at the second level. And now we're getting a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10-yard game. And that's where guys like Mozzie and Hankins being here early on can help those. And not just those dudes, because I think it's going to help guys like Osa as well as we get, get ready to head into breaking down all of these defensive tackles. But I wanted to kind of set the stage to the importance of having defensive tackles, good defensive tackles, and having that mirror what you want to do schematically. Little by little, Dan Quinn is starting to implement that. It wasn't going to be easy. He had to get the trust of this front office, and he finally did, in my opinion. Now he finally has the guys that he needs to take this defense to the next level. And yes, I think it can go to the next level. Vach in the chat. Quote, sometimes you just need to disrupt the timing of the combo. Indeed. And I think Coach Floyd and those boys will start teaching them that. Uh, little, little technique things, man. Little things like that can make a big difference. All right. Before we get into the individual players, let's hit the phone lines real quick. We'll get a call or two in. We got Reek on the horn. We ain't heard from Reek in a minute, man. What's good, man? 
Hey, what's going on? What's going on, Scott? How you doing, man? What's going on, Cowboy Nation? I'm doing good. How you heard, doing today? Ain't heard from you in a long time, Rick. How your summer going? It's going all right. Everything cool, man. Everything right. good. Sound good. Uh, yeah, man. I want to jump right into this right quick, man. Uh, my thing is with the with the defensive line is that I think that they should. Uh, we looking for people like uh, the players that's been here for a minute, like Bohanna. Uh, I forgot the other guy's name. Uh, we looking for some of these other guys that's been here three years too to step up too, because we're going to need them deeper into the season, especially when, when uh, the playoffs, the playoffs start, stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm looking for a lot of the third year guys that's been at the defensive tackle to to take that jump. You know what I mean? Like your yeah. uh Odigizuas and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And I and really like I've been saying this for a minute. Sometimes I think they should tweak Odigizua. Sometimes I feel like he should be on the, the inside, but sometimes I should feel like he should rotate to the outside too. Because uh, they do a lot of stunts and twists and stuff like that. And that's uh what they like they they, they line to do a lot. But as far as run stopping you got to give me Miser. You got to give me uh, uh, not not so much Bohanna, but I'm looking for him to step up too. Uh, the other guy, the other big guy that Hankins. we brought back, Hankins. Hankins, yeah. Uh, I'm looking for us to be a little bit more vicious than we was last year, and I and I understand that the culture of our team, the defense has been getting a lot dirtier, like far as like nitty gritty, and we uh, been stepping up because that San Francisco game. Uh, it really showed me something about this defense. Like we got a we got a Super Bowl type of defense. You know what I mean? We just and need Tampa. everybody to be on the same. Don't don't ignore the Tampa. Yeah, and, oh especially yeah. oh especially Tampa. That that was a hurdle. That was one of the hurdles that we needed to get over. As far as with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I, I look at it as a big win. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because they was they've been smoking our boots, Pauls, for like uh, the last that, couple of years, and we got over that. And we beat Tom Brady. There, I was just about to say. Look, you, you can say what you want to say about Tom. You can say what you want to say about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, one thing you can't say is that that wasn't Tom Brady out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? How many how many people, how many pundits, how many fans were nervous going into that game because they were playing against Tom Brady? A lot. A lot. And yeah. they made they yeah, made Tom Brady retire. Let's just be honest. So I got to give them credit. Yeah, we, we, we the last ones that put an L on his resume. Right. And I like that. You know what I mean? I like that a lot. And I and I really believe that was a part of what made the defense stand up in San Francisco. Because that was a hostile game in hostile territory. If you got a defense that can travel, you're a dangerous team. We just yeah. didn't have an offense to help carry the defense over the hump in that game. And we still almost did. Still but we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take our we're gonna take our lashings, but we we coming back for more. And like you said, as far as this defensive line, I really I really love you had to sell me on the Mozzie pick because you're the first one that said it to me and, uh, about the Mozzie pick in the draft. And I really believe that we're going to do something big this year. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm just so excited. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to see this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I'm going to get up off here and let somebody else in here. But good to talk to you, Scott. What up, Vach? All right, hey. Cowboy Nation. I get with all y'all. All right, man. Peace. Good talk, Rick. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Now, let's jump straight into it. Let's talk about this defensive tackle unit, okay? If we're talking about guys that have the most pressure or, or the warmest seat, hottest seat, whatever the hell you want to call it, in that room, I think you got to start with Neville Gallimore. You have to start with Neville. 
Uh, and I look, man, I, I root for Neville. I rooted for him hard. Uh, his second year, I thought he would have a breakout. Ended up hurting his arm. That affected him. He came back late. Had a good outing in 2021, his first game back, and then kind of tailed off a bit. But cool. We can give him a mulligan for that because he was coming off injury. But in his third year, it seemed like he took a step back. Now, statistically, his numbers were better. He played more snaps last year. He played 402 snaps, just about the same as he did in his rookie season. Had 33 tackles, a couple tackles for loss, and 11 stops. So, statistically, he took a slight jump at the defensive tackle position from a production standpoint. But when you actually watch him, right, it just never felt like at any point in time, except for maybe in that Washington game, he made much of a difference and kind of just felt like he was out there and for a rotational guy for a guy who's going to be your fourth or fifth defensive tackle fine but but Neville was supposed to be your starting three tech believe it or not but I think he's turning into Tristan and what I mean by that is when Tristan Hill got here it was the last year of Rob Marinelli Rob Marinelli comes in drafts Tristan Hill we get a different defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden, Cowboys just start bringing in three-tech after three-tech after three-tech. They drafted a couple more, and Tristan just kind of got bumped down out of flavor. He did not have a sponsor. Neville Gallimore comes in. They draft Osa Digizua. They move Chauncey Golson inside. They draft Mozzie Smith. I'm like, oof. Now, my, let's just ignore Mozzie. Let's just talk about drafting Osa, moving Golson inside. Hey, Neville, you better have a good 2022 offseason. What happens? Quentin Bohanna beat him out. And we'll get the bow in a second. Neville Gallimore wasn't. Neville Gallimore actually was worse than Bo and Tristan Hill, in my opinion, at camp. To the tune that the coaches said, hey, hey, big fella, we, we're going to sit you down. Okay? To the tune that Bohanna started the season off as a start. To the tune where Neville Gallimore was still out there with the fourth string in the last playoff. I'm sorry, in the last preseason game. Oof. And it did not carry over well into the season. Neville kind of was very up and down for the most part, in my opinion. Down. Uh, and we're looking for a bounce back season for Neville Gallimore. Now, I, do I think they'll carry six defensive tackles? I don't know, man. I don't know. If they do, then then that shows you that you know they're obviously valuing this defense a little bit more, and they want as most depth, the most depth as possible. But Neville's seat is one hundred percent warm, and I'm gonna tell you another reason why I think it's warm. Every last one of these guys, you can definitely see them have a definite role up front. Tell me, Neville's is he a pure three tech? I don't I don't think so. I don't I don't think he has the quickness of an Odigazua or a Golston or even the technique to, to, to be that pure three. Is he a pure one? Absolutely not. He's not a one. Is he a tweener? Yeah, he's been a bit of a tweener. But that can get you in a bit of trouble if you don't stand out as a tweener. So Neville's got to have a, a, a really good preseason and training camp to stay on his team, in my opinion. In fact, he's going to have to have the preseason and training camp 
that Quentin Bohanna had last year. Yes, sir. Quentin Bohanna and a lot of people, and I shouldn't say a lot, there are a handful of people that don't like you. Let me just say this, and I got Vach in the chat. Bo looked legit last year at camp. Bo looked legit in preseason, and he also started off the season looking legit. I'm not just saying that. There was times me and Vach looking at each other like, hey, dog, is, is we sure Bohanna 340? Because he moving out there. Are we sure Bohanna's one? Because one tech, because he's doing some three tech things. Very shocked at what Bohanna was doing in camp, and then it, it translated into the preseason and it carried over to the regular season. As I stated, he beat guys like Neville and Tristan out last year, and rightfully so. Y'all know how I feel about. I don't want things handed to any of these cats. I want the competition to dictate who gets on that field. If there is some depth competition there. He rightfully so beat those dudes out. And when you look at the start of the season, it translated. It absolutely translated. He had 10 of his 19 tackles, four of his nine stops in the first five or six weeks. You saw some of that quickness that you were like, what, 350? Three, they got him listed at 360. I don't think he 360. But if you pop on a tape of Bo, in the first five to six games prior to you know him dealing with the shoulder and knee injuries, you saw a guy that took that second year jump. You absolutely saw that. Now, he did finish out the season playing 13 games, but I, I don't ever think he really was all that healthy. He started to play with the brace on his knee and to the tune that he, he, he didn't become active in the playoffs. You don't like to see your draft picks not be active in the playoffs. But... If he can remain healthy, I think we're talking about Bo being fine depth as a nose tackle guy, truly. And, and, and this is where the numbers game is going to come into play. Will the Cowboys elect to carry three bigs like Bo, Mozzie, and Hankins, or will they say we only need two? I'd rather keep some more three techs. I think that's unless they go full six or seven guys up front. I don't see it happening, but uh, we'll see because we got a lot of edge rushers. They got to get on this team. But I think there is value in having three 330, 40-plus-pound dudes on a team that is now going to tweak their responsibilities up front, a team that needs to start focusing on the run game a little bit more because they got the talent on the back end to be able to focus more on the run. And if I had to guess here, I'm just guessing, Bo, I think Bo might have took on a bit more responsibility in his first two seasons in the league than anticipated if you guys remember and, and let me bring you back here if you guys remember when he was drafted dan quinn came out here and said oh bohanna we're gonna put him right here here's the center right here sometimes he'll be right here but if you go watch him over the first two years you had a bunch of injuries to guys and, and then you saw him kind of develop more quickness last year and they were doing more shaded things where he was playing some three tech stuff doing some three tech things now he didn't do a lot of stunting but if he is focused on purely disrupting his keys in front of that center i think that plays into more of what he does and he takes on that responsibility when he got drafted he said one of the things he prides himself on is helping the linebackers behind him so is bo gonna surplant a, a mazi or hangings absolutely not 
But in a, in a defense that is focusing more on stopping the run, I think Bohanna could have a, a role as a depth guy. I don't think he's going to get you 25 snaps anymore. But if injuries happen, uh, he could be a dude that helps out as a pure nose tackle. So I'm not ready to write Bo off just yet. I think he's a guy that could find a place on his team. I think he can. Well, Danny said he lost too much weight. I mean, he's still 340 pounds. If you go look at him in his rookie season, even when he came into to rookie rookie camp, I kind of was looking at him like, we sure he's 340, 350 or whatever it was, because he looked, he carries that very, very well. Uh, and again, if you go watch the film in the first four weeks, he was playing some solid ball, man. But then the knee injury piled up, the shoulder injury piled up, and you kind of saw him take a step back a bit. But you're going to need him to stay healthy. If both stay healthy, I think he can, he can carve out a role, 100%. 100%. Let's get D Schiff on the horn. What's good, D? Hey, what's good, bro? What's up with you? Man, I, uh, man, appreciate you this morning, man. I like Thank the you, trench bro. talk from uh, you. You in your bag this morning, Scott. Trying, bro. But, uh, <laughs> but man, I think the defensive tackles, that's, that's a great um, – I think it's it's been good, like how the Cowboys have kind of been putting, like, little investments here and there. And then they finally put a first round pick. Um, listening to Mozzie, I don't know if you got to uh, listen to him talk with uh, Boston. Oh, it's Boston. coming. It's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, one thing I just want to throw out is uh, I like his confidence. Uh, I just kind of listening to one little key piece where you're talking about um, him being a debt piece. It doesn't sound like he's really satisfied with just coming in and smoothing in as just a debt piece. I mm -hmm. think he in my mind, wants to come in and, and, like, really contribute. And he used a lot of things like I owe this franchise and things like that. So I'm excited about that. And um, I think great. And some of these guys are looking forward to it. I like their matchup against a lot of the interior uh, offensive linemen uh, against the uh, people that we played this year. Not a lot of teams with just, like, real good interiors. So I think they're uh, going to be able to take uh, care of some matchups. So, uh, man, appreciate the talk, uh, the talk this morning, bro, and uh, I'll sit back and listen. Salute. Appreciate you, D. That's D. Schiff, y'all. Uh, speaking of, of those matchups, I'm kind of working on the next competition style of a show like we did before, top five pass offenses. That could be one, right, like top five offensive lines. I, I might look into something like that. Uh, I was going to do rushing attacks, but that might be something I look into. Um, but yeah, man, we'll, we'll get to Mozzie in a second. I definitely watched that fantastic interview and I got a quote from it. I want to talk about a, a little later, but I want to get back into kind of the depth guys, really the depth guys of this rotation. We talked about Gallimore. We talked about Bo. This guy right here though, Chauncey Golston, y'all Chauncey Golston. The other, if you guys remember the other week, we were just Throwing stuff, spitballing, right? We were saying, what if a guy like Isaiah Land or Darrell Johnson or one of these dudes just go berserk? Who might be on the bubble? And somebody threw out ghosts, and I'm like, man, maybe, maybe it could be. But the more I sat back and thought about it, the more I came away with the conclusion that I think you got to have a guy like Chauncey Ghostin around in this type of defense, given that he has unique flexibility that differs from everyone else. This is a flex type of defense. So you got to have one of these kind of alien type of dudes 
at each level. You got a guy like J. Ron Curse. J. Ron can do some linebacker things, play safety, right? At, at, a, at a pretty high level. You got Michael Parsons, who is just, I mean, one of the best in the league, period. Uh, and now when you look at Ghostin, I'm not saying Ghostin is on their level, but Ghostin at 6'5", now going about 290 or so, he has the length of a 5-tech, and he has the quickness for a 3-tech. And that's exactly what he did. He did a lot more uh, defensive tackle things, but obviously can slide out and play on the edge as he did in his, his first year and as he did at Iowa. Now, you saw Golston's snaps get cut basically in half. And, and honestly, I don't think you're going to see them increase back over 400 snaps this year either. Uh, but when he did get a chance to play, you know, 20 or so snaps, he performed fairly well and he capped off the season in the last game of the year playing the best ball of his life really yeah like 11 tackles in that game a couple tackles for loss um in fact oh not a couple tackles for loss but like seven stops in that game but he doubled his stops from his rookie season in half of the snaps so from a per snap basis you know Golston still gave you something when he was out there and again I just think having a guy that has this type of flex on a flexible type of defense I think you got to keep him around barring some type of terrible camp or, or terrible preseason this is a guy that you should you should want to have as a depth piece right think about it if a d law goes down or dorrance goes down you know he can do some defensive end things to help stop the run if if an osa goes down or uh you know hopefully not a mozzie but if somebody like that goes down you know he can come in there and play some three tech things the only concern I might have from a Golson is I don't know if he can give you that 110% effort on the inside playing 35 40 snaps right which none of these guys they want him to play over 35 snaps but let's say he has to give you a, you know a five game stint as a starter you know where he has to play 30 to 35 snaps can he give you that same energy that same production week in week out we don't know just yet because he's been a part-time player and, and really that's my that might all that might be what he is. He might just be a role-playing role part-time player. And for a third-round pick, you kind of want to see those guys develop as a starter, but they all won't. So can you develop yourself to the point where you can be a role player on this team? Uh, Chauncey has been that his first two years. He has. I don't really see his... I don't really see his production rising. I think it's going to be tough, barring injury. But I think he can give you something. I think if Chauncey is on this team as a rotational guy, he'll come in and he can give you something. Kind of where I'm at with Chauncey Ghost. A tricky one, man. He's he's tricky to me. He's tricky because he's he's a he's a tweener. He is what he is. He's a defensive tackle that can slide out to play more five tech. Um and he and he really didn't his standout game happened at the end of the year. Now he has some standout moments, but his standout game happened against in reality a meaningless type of game. Now he got into the playoffs, he played a little bit, not a whole lot. And he did have some plays in there as well. So it is good to see a guy like Ghost and play in the playoffs where you need your best guy. So I think there's something to Chauncey Ghoston. Um, he'll likely be a rotational guy, but you need those. You need those, you need those rotational guys. Towboat just dropped one in the super chat. If I missed one earlier, I'll get back to it. Super chat. He said, I'm excited for camp to see Tyler and Mozzie go at it. To be the man, you have to. To beat the man. Woo! End quote from Towboat Tie. Yeah, that's like Hawk versus Thanos. And I'm not talking about Smart Hawk. I'm talking about 
Although Tyler Smith comes off as a very smart guy, but I'm talking about the incredible Hawk versus Thanos. So yeah. All right. One more before I get back to the phone lines, because I, I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about Hankins. Big Hank. Hank is love being a cowboy, by the way. He got a podcast. I don't know if y'all seen his podcast. Hankins, Hankins likes being a cowboy. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be a cowboy. He Here, you, you can see it here. He re-signed for a one-year deal. But you saw the immediate impact of a Jonathan Hankins when he was signed to the Cowboys. His first game was against the Bears. And a lot of people, they might go and they might say, oh, wait, 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 wait. Well, Sky, hold tight, hold tight. Relax, relax. Ain't got nothing to do with no bills, man. Uh, internet's fine, but but for whatever reason, the stream ended. Let me go see if if it started up a new one. Did it start up a new one? Are we are we back to the same one? Let's see here, man. Now nah, we got a new one. All right, so it is a new one. Give me a second. Let me let me go ahead and update this. That was weird. I just looked over at my my restream dashboard and it said offline. YouTube studio. Give me one second, y'all. Give me one second. I'm going to kind of fix this up real quick and we'll get back into it. Plus, we got to let people build back up and come back in. Do me a favor. If you are over there in that other one, tell them to, to come back into this new stream. Boom, bow, bang. Oh, I did that. <laughs> Skynet. All right, so we are getting people back over here. All right, so I, I got it back up. I, I don't really know what happened. Let, let me go over here. I'm going to go ahead and drop this new stream into the old one. Because there's probably people over there right now. Yeah, man, we back on this side of things. I'm not quite sure if we back over there with the others. All right, boom, boom. There we go, new stream. All right, if you are over in the old one and you're still in this chat, click on this link right here and it'll take you to the new one. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to talk to Nacho here for a quick second and see if we can get people to come back over into this new stream. Not sure why the old one was there. Uh, Nacho, I'm going to go ahead and let you get this in here as we continue to get this fixed. What's up, man? Good morning, Sky. How you doing? And I'm, uh, I'm was doing great. This morning and I'm, was doing great until the stream cut out. Right, yeah, yes. So it's a little bit of a tweak, but uh, it's all good, all good. Yeah, we start. Um, but uh, yeah, hey, listen. Um, um, the fact of the matter that um, you know, ever since Russell Maryland and Tony Casillas, we were winning the war up front, and the fact that we were moving in that direction with a Mossy, you know, uh, I'm with you. If we can keep three bigs. I mean, most of the championship defenses, if we if we can think about, they win the war up front. 
Now, if we can win the war up front, it's just going to make it's going to make everything a lot more, uh, you know, accessible for our ends to come in, for our linebackers to play downhill. Um, so, absolutely, I, I, you know, the hope is going to be that, uh, you know, with Mozzie, you know, in the mix, Oza and those guys. I mean, we have. I can see the depth of this football team. I can see, you know, now finally I always have a thing about having, you know, these these kind of a shut down corners on the outside and make everybody play inside. And I think with with Gilmore now there opposite of Diggs, you know, that that, that gives you that 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 comfort, that security yeah. on the ends on the corners, you know, with everything else and then having that depth with, you know, that three to four safeties. I mean, man, I, I, I'm telling oh, you, I, is, you know what? The defense I, is loaded. You know, bro. it's loaded. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, and it's going to be up to our, you know, up to what we do on offense and how we can complement. Uh, and and if I hear the message right, you know, with everything that's been going on in the off season, special teams, defense, and offense—they all have to play complementary uh, to each other for us to be successful. McCarthy's philosophy right where where i think it might have been miscued with with the whole kellen and all that and not agreeing i think that's what he wanted it was let's be on the same page complimentary football is the buzzword right yeah yes absolutely right absolutely absolutely let me me say this about the about the deep because look i I look the defense is stacked you got the coordinator you got the uh coaches but i don't want to resolve them from any pressure Here's where I'm going to put some pressure on them, and it's about what we're talking about right now, and that's stopping the run. I think they'll get after the passer because that's what they do. But if you want to be one of those dominant defenses, one of those ones, one of those defenses that go down in history or or super elite defenses that may be not historical, think the second wave of the, the Steelers defenses, right? Like they weren't historical, but they were one of the best in that time. You have to be able to stop this run. We, we loved all the interceptions. We loved the turnovers. That absolutely matters. But when teams needed to run the ball from time to time, they were able, probably more often than time to time, they were able to do it. Did that get better in the playoffs? It absolutely did, right? Uh, you, you pretty much shut down the Bucks. They weren't a good running team in general. And for the most part, you shut down the Niners. You had that kind of one or two drives where they got a couple first downs that hurt you, but they didn't kill you on the ground. So, you know, you need to be a, a defense that can make teams – Throw on you because they can't run on you. And also, one more thing I would like to see them do. One more thing. In the playoffs, there's going to be games, man, especially when you go up against a a, a top defense where, look, y'all played good enough to win, but we might need you to get this one for us. And the reason why I say that is because I go look back at, and I don't even want to use the Ravens, right? The Ravens, it is what it is. They have one of the best defenses in in the 2000s, right? But I go back and I look at some of the Steelers' defenses. I go look at what happened with the, the Broncos. I go look at Legion of Boom. Uh, uh, if you if you look at the Giants, really, they did some things, too, in that 2007-2011 time frame. If you go back and look at Peyton Manning's Super Bowl run, people forget Peyton Manning in 06 had an atrocious postseason. Their terrible defense somehow, some way, turned that thing on in the, in the playoffs, and they helped propel them to a Super Bowl championship. And if you want to be more recent, go look at Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals when they went to the Super Bowl. He had a two-interception game, I think it was, against the Titans, but his defense got about three turnovers that game, and that pretty much put them in position to win the ball game. 
So if it comes down to you having to win four games to get the bowl, nine times out of ten, it might take one of those games for your defense to win it. So I would like to see this defense get a couple turnovers in the postseason as opposed to, you know, one or no turnovers uh, forced or make that game breaking play that puts you over the hump for one of those games. I'm not, I don't want to resolve them too much from no pressure, Nacho. I kind of want to put some pressure on them so they can do these things uh, in the playoffs. You're in the, you're in your bags, Sky. You're in your bag. All those defenses that you just mentioned right now, that's exactly, exactly kind of where I was going with this. Kind of the Saragusas back in the day with that, with that, you know, Ray Lewis championship defense with the Ravens. I mean, we can look all the other, all the other uh, teams that you mentioned as well, you alluded to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that is where, that is where I, that is where I see our Cowboys team specifically on the defensive side of the ball with Dan Quinn now there and, and everything. Now, if we can now, if I, and I'd like to think that McCarthy is intelligent enough to understand this is what I have on defense. This is what I have on special teams. What do I need to do on my side yeah. to complement everybody? And if we can come together, then this is a team that's going to get to the championship game and finally break that damn drought and get to the Super Bowl. That's what I see. So this is good. No, 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 absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, sure, I mean, we could say we're excited every year. We're Cowboy fans, we, you know, all this and that. But realistically looking at it, you finally are – you're finally – for myself, I am seeing a football team that is taking the steps in the right direction I agree. In the right time. Absolutely, man. I'll leave you with that. And have a blessed day, my man. Thank you. Pre- appreciate you, Nacho. I really do appreciate Nacho kind of holding that down as we figure this out. Uh, we're not quite back to where we were earlier with everybody coming over, but we we here. It's enough for y'all in here. We can continue this thing going. But uh, he said something about McCarthy that as he was talking, I was thinking about this, uh, where he said, you know, we have the special teams, right? You got the defensive coordinator and the defensive talent. Can he look at himself in the mirror and say, I got to make sure I do what I need to do to make sure this this offense complements the rest of this team and really vice versa. But this offense complements what I think is the, the best part of this team. And that's the defensive side of the ball. That's something he talked about constantly in the offseason that let's just be real. Philosophically, they weren't on that same page. They just weren't. Because if you were, you would do more things play action right uh get the ball out quickly uh run the ball with the guys that can run the ball to help complement the defense at the time because your offense just wasn't like that just quite yet right but a better mentor for a guy like Bo for a guy like Mozzie to have than Jonathan Hankins a guy who has been tasked to be a run defender a nose tackle head up I mean you can just see kind of the nuances the details the the veteran you know uh awareness from a, a big Hank I often talk about, look, man, I want you to not just be traffic. I want you to cause the traffic for these running backs. Push these linemen in the backfield. Make a play or two at the line of scrimmage or beyond or uh, uh, past the line of scrimmage, meaning in the backfield. Hankins was doing that, man. He was doing that in his postseason. So you get Big Hank, you get Mozzie, you get Bo. That's a healthy, healthy rotation of big dudes up there that and strength that should be able to help impact the run game moving forward so again not sure why everything went out is everything you know are we back yeah we're back 
But we're going to kind of fight through this, Cowboys Nation. Bear with me. We're going to fight through this thing. So uh, if you are in the old chat, it did it again? Or are we straight? No, no, no. We still we still in the second one. We still in the second one. Let's keep pushing, man. Let's keep pushing. Not quite sure what's happening here, but we're going to keep pushing through this thing. Let's get to the next person, and we're talking about Osa Odigizua. Osa Odigizua, y'all. I had tabbed him as the breakout player last year, right? Thinking, all right, this is where we, we let him spread his wings a little bit. We're going to let Osa be a three-tech this year. Just When I say be a three-tech, I mean just... Get after it. But we saw even more stunts happening. And, and I'm not saying this is this is a knock because stunts are not a terrible thing for a guy like Osa. He's got the quickness and, and the, the motor to, to do things to stunt. But I do think that that also took away from what I think he could be as a one-on-one defender. And I'm going to stamp my claim on this one. For real. Last year I did it. And I'm, I'm going to bring it back. Outside of Micah Parsons, I think Osa Digizu will have the biggest year three jump of the draft class. <clears throat> you could say, well, he'll have the opportunity. That's fair. But I do think you will see a significant jump. I thought you started to see it in the playoffs. The most important games of the season. He has seven total pressures in the playoffs. Six tackles, five stops. And if you're into the grades, not everybody is into the PFF grades. He was graded as one of your best defenders, period. Period. In the playoffs. He led all interior defense linemen in tackles, tackles for loss, and pressure rate throughout the entire season. You could argue he did have <laughs> he did have a breakout year two campaign. Four sacks or whatnot. He increased in pretty much every metric. But I still think there was a little bit of, of him being held back some due to the way this defense was structured. When you you don't have a, a Mozzie or a Hankins and you really only have one true nose tackle in Bohanna who, again, got dinged up fairly early in the season, you've got to kind of compensate for not having the interior guys to help out an Osa type. So what do they do? We do a bunch of stunts. We'll move them around a bit. I don't think they're going to have to do that. Uh, when Rick called in earlier, we talked about the stunt. I don't think they're going to have to stunt as much, specifically early on in downs, first down or second down. I just I just don't see the need to do it when you got a, a healthy rotation of dudes to, to help push that pocket back. With all due respect to Carlos Watkins, who gave us a lot, man. He gave us a lot. So I think he could easily see his production spike Fairly quickly, too. I don't think it's going to take long to see to see the impact of having guys like Mozzie and, and Hankins next to him. Got some horses up there. Can't question his motor. He's got the quickness, and he understands leverage with that background in wrestling. So I got, I got Osa again, man. We talk about Sam Slam. Thank you, man. Williams. We talk about Deron anything but Bland. And that's fair. These guys were rookies last year. Yeah, of course, we think they're going to have, a, you know, a year two jump. What about the year three guys? I think Osa as a year three guy could have a massive jump in his in his production. 100%. And then you got Mozzie Smith. I started off this show talking about how awesome the, 
uh, content community is here. I just call it the Cowboys community. I think we're beyond that by now. And the reason why I brought that up is because, you know, Law and them were down at uh, SportsCon. They got a chance to talk to a lot of Cowboys players. But it was this Mozzie Smith interview that jumped off the screen for me, um, listening to what he had to say. And I had to quote one of the things that he said here because a lot of people, I think, early on when he was drafted, just narrowed him down to an early down guy. He's not worth it because, you know, he can only play first or second down. In reality, even if he was super disruptive in first or second down, he still was worth it, in my opinion, on a team that could use that. Nonetheless, they asked him about him being essentially a multifaceted player, and he said, quote, my goal is to become a complete player. Not a first or second down, but first, second, and third down guy. And if I ain't that, then I ain't what I want to be. There is something to Mozzie Smith being first, second, and third down guy. I get it. He ain't have a bunch of sacks <laughs> at Michigan. Everybody's going to harken back to his production at Michigan. His responsibility wasn't to be a sack artist. His responsibility was to absolutely disrupt the run game, and he did that. His responsibility will be to disrupt the run game this year. There's no doubt about it. But he has the uh, he has a talent. He's got the one-two. He's got the mindset. He's got the motor. He has the athleticism. That's one of the most important things to keep him out there. So be a three-down guy. And here's one of the most impressive things about Mozzie Smith in college that I saw. Ain't got nothing to do with numbers in regards to statistics. But for a dude that goes 330 or so, he plays something around 90-plus percent of the snaps. You don't see that with these type of dudes. Not And it might even been above 95%, but I know it was 90 plus percent of his snaps for a 330 pound, 330 plus pound guy. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. And look, he won't be playing 90% of the snaps on this defense. But the reason why I bring that up is because there will be series. There will be times throughout the game where Mozzie just on one. And you say, hey, you good? Yeah, I'm good, coach. And you keep him out there. So I, I think you'll see a lot of things tweaked in this game. One of the things was a stance, right? That's the big thing coming out is that he played more square because they asked him to, to do things that the opposite, really, of what Coach Floyd was talking about. Coach Floyd said, hey, we don't want to do a whole bunch of peeking in the backfield and then guessing. We want to disrupt our keys. And one of the things that Coach Floyd said that I love, he was like, the linemen will really tell me where the play is going. And Mozzie, if he gets those hands inside of you, if he gets that power up on you and he's leaning, <laughs> you're done. This dude's power is real. His athleticism is real. And look, I'm putting pressure on him. I know a lot of people might say, hey, man, this is a rookie. Maybe we should slow down. Maybe, but I'm not. He's a rookie that's likely going to play 25, 26 snaps. And I think he can give you a lot in those snaps, man. I do. I, I think he has the talent. He's, he has the coaching. He's got the, the, the players around him to be an impact player right now. Not two years from now, not next year, but right now. And they might start him off. So they might say, hey, look, look, Mozzie. We don't need you to go out there and get 10 sacks, even though I don't think that's ever going to be what he's asked to do. 
but we need you to go out there and dis and just disrupt your keys. Cause the accidents in the backfield. Allow Mike and these boys to get free. LVE, Damone Clark, allow them boys to kind of just play downhill and help you in stopping this run. And then if a team wants to throw the ball on second and eight, you got the power to impact the quarterback. You got the athleticism to run somebody down, to play sideline to sideline. I won't say Mozzie is the equivalent to Tyler. You could argue that. But he has the potential to be the linchpin of this defensive line. I'm not quite there yet. We saw Tyler. Tyler proved to be a linchpin. Mozzie has the potential to be the linchpin on this defensive line moving forward. And if he becomes that, that's when this defense can be one of them ones. Now, it'll take a, it'll take the community to do it. It takes a village, right? Like, you can't just be one of them ones because of one guy. It'll take a village. It'll take this entire defensive tackle unit to help this defense elevate to that. But Mozzie has a potential to be that linchpin. I swear he does. All right, I had to push through that because I wasn't quite sure why the stream kept cutting in and out but look we got through it so i'm gonna wrap to y'all in the chat here if you want to call in you can uh 351-999-3787 also i didn't touch on this but isaac got a cone you can see it right there he did move the de defense tackle this offseason look i got nothing <laughs> i got nothing all, all, all we know about isaac at defensive tackle is that he played some of it on the scout team last year and he must have did good enough in his movement and his understanding of the game uh, to where they wanted to, to put him on that side of the ball. Uh, Isaac goes something like 6'7", 330 or something like that, 320. So he's got the size. We'll get out there at camp. We'll see in the preseason what he can do. But there's there's nothing really else to Isaac out of cone. I, I absolutely do not see him making this team. Um, hell, you hope he can make the practice squad. If they really do see something there and he can kind of continue to develop. But he has no more eligibility on the international players list, so he cannot stay on the roster and not account for a roster spot. All right. <laughs> that is that is true, Nick. Nick said, not a village full of Nick Haydens and Cedric Thorntons. Fair. That's fair. Shout out to Mel. Mel said, if Mozzie is with the where to go? Is my if Mozzie is what the last two first round picks have been, it's going to be a great year for the defense. I think he's got it in him, man. Do yourself a favor. I mean, look, you can go watch all types of interviews, but just go check him out. Listen to the interview he had with Boston Law uh, at SportsCon. They also interviewed Sam, I think uh, Malik, and a bunch of other guys as well. But just, see, I think we need to listen to these guys sometimes just to kind of get a feel of, of where they're at mentally. Because all we can go off is what we see, but sometimes you got to hear, how is this guy, how serious does this guy take the game? Or what is he doing? Because obviously all talk is not just, the end all be all. Mozzie said that. Like, I ain't about talk. That's the other thing why you've listened to him. He said, I want to show you. But you kind of want to hear where their mental is at. Uh, might have a chance to actually do that with Quentin Bohanna later today. I talked to him yesterday briefly. He's getting that work in. Believe that. Um, I believe I'll have a sit down with him later today and uh, we'll get that posted up probably tomorrow on the show or later. It all depends on what I want to do here. But likely we'll post that tomorrow or, or Wednesday. We'll talk about it. But uh, I'll be chatting with Bo, see where he's at mentally, how he's feeling coming off of uh, his second year and what his goals are going into year three. But yeah, check out the interview with Mozzie and, and Boston Law. It was good stuff. 
I know toxic. I know that's that's Mo's guy. And look, that's cool. You know, that, that's cool. Everybody got their guy. I get it. I, I got mine. You know, Mo got his. I'm rooting for him. I hope Isaac Adekone does so well that they say, you know what? We're going to put you on the practice squad. Ain't no way he's making this thing, though. This ain't happening. Mister Twenty Three Oh Six says, but the DT room looks really good. What what it, what are your thoughts on this defense attack room? What is your feelings? I should say, how are we feeling? If we had to give it a rating one to ten on just feeling, not 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 talking about the talent, but do you feel good about this room? I think with the addition of Mozzie and bringing back Jonathan Hankins, I'm definitely at a seven. If if you did not bring back Hank or draft Mozzie. I would have 100% been at like a three. But those two additions, and we're calling Hank an addition, but it is what it is. Those two guys coming back, I'm at a seven, man. I feel good. I feel good about the top three guys in Hankins, uh, Hankins, Mozzie, and Osa. And then you got guys like a Chauncey Golson who can do dual things. And I think Bohanna can be a, a, a fine rotational nose tackle. Now, is this unit the Eagles? Nah, ain't gonna give you that. <laughs> I ain't gonna say they're they're that. Whoa, yeah, no, 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 I ain't gonna say that. I ain't gonna say they're they're like that. But uh, when we're talking full defensive line, that's a different discussion. But we're talking about just the interior defensive line. Yeah, I'm at a, I'm at a cool seven. I'm at a cool seven. Seven point eight deeper than half the league. Eight nine eight point nine seven and a half five to seven. Eight. I, I can see if y'all want to say five until we get to camp, but I mean, look, we know what Maz, I'm sorry, we know what Jonathan Hankin is. We know what Osa is. We know what Chauncey is. We, we kind of know what Bo is from a, from a role standpoint. A lot of these guys have the ability to keep going. The Osas, the Chaunceys, the Bows. Mozzie's kind of he's kind of the wild card. If Mozzie comes in here and he is what we think he could be, you are who we thought you were. I think seven is easy. I think it's easy. I agree. The guru said, I feel good now with three of Hankins, Mozzie, and Osa. Now, G said, and I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about Fayoko. My Samoan brother from another mother is a dog, dog, dog. If you notice, I did not include him. Yet. I did not include Junior slash Viliami Fehoko, but we could see Fehoko transition into an interior guy. I'm going to say sooner rather than later. I'm going to just say that. But right now, it seems like he's going to do some, some defensive end things and eventually move into defensive tackle. This will look different than next year, right? You, you might have a Fehoko put into this defensive tackle unit. Very similar to what they did with Chauncey Ghoston. Chauncey Ghoston came in. Uh, we... We kind of all collectively thought, okay, this looks like a run guy. Uh, he has the potential to slide in at three tech, and he did some of that. In the offseason, they say, hey, dog, we need to put on some weight. We want you to be more defensive tackle, less defensive end, and he did that. And he did that. So I think they'll do that with Fehoko. Um, I think it'll take an offseason, though, right? Like, he, I think he's somewhere around 267, 270-ish, maybe. It's going to take... He's going to have to get around that 280, 285, I think, to slide into full-time three-tech. Right now, he doesn't have the build to bang with these guards down in, down out. Not yet. 
I always see that 2306. A lot of people uh, bring up Tyrone Crawford. Uh, here's why I don't like to compare to me. Like this situation with, with ghosting. The only reason why I would compare it to Ty, or I would compare it to Tyrone is if they say now to ghosting, hey, you know what? I changed my mind. I want you to play defense and I need you to cut down 10 pounds. That's what they did to Tyrone Crawford. Tyrone Crawford came in as kind of a strong side DE. They said, we want you to be a defensive tackle, or it was a vice versa. They came in as a defensive tackle, want you to be a DE. And they just snip, snap, snip, snapped him, flipped him around, quite literally asked him to change his body type, seemed like every other offseason, where they haven't really, we'll see what they do with Chauncey this year, but it doesn't sound like they asked Chauncey to, to slim back up to go play defense in. If they don't do that and they just leave Chauncey as kind of a a, a flexible three-tech defensive end, then he's just what a lot of these guys are in the league nowadays, and that's a guy that has some position flex. What they did to Crawford was wrong. They, 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 they That was wrong, man. They would ask him to change his body almost every offseason, and he did the best he could do, and you saw that affect his body. He became a banged-up, injured guy at the end of his career, man. He gave us all he, can, he could give us, but you can't keep asking that dude to, to shed 10, add 10, shed 15, add 15, majority right defense in, majority defense tackle. It was just too much, man. It's too much. It's one thing to be a flex guy. It's another thing to ask this guy to be a primary positional player every other year that requires your body to change. So I, I get from a wide perspective, you'd be like, oh, these guys are the next Tyrone Crawford. They got flex. But when you narrow it down, I hope like hell they don't do to these guys what they did to Tyrone. You know what I mean? That's not healthy. The guru said, thank goodness, no more Rod. Yeah, the game passed Rod. Like Rod is a fantastic, Rod Marinelli, y'all, is a fantastic defensive line coach, right? Like he can coach these, these kids up. They love to play for Rod, tough, hard nose or what have you. But when it, when it comes to him being your coordinator nowadays, I think, I don't, I don't think the game is for Rod, Rod Marinelli to be a coordinator anymore. And Toxic says, could you imagine how good Crawford would have been if he was just settled in as a positional player? He he showed you, right? When they said, hey, man, we're going to have you play three tech. He went off and he got that contract. And I mean, we can go back and check it, but it felt like that next year or, or the following year, they said, hey, dog, we need you to play. D Here's the thing. They didn't just say we need you to play defense in. They didn't put him at the strong side. My apologies. They had that dude playing pass rush right defense in. Come on. You asking this 200 and at one point 90 something pounds and then he was 80 something pounds to, to, to play the pass rush position on the line? On the edge, I should say. On the edge? Goofy. It was goofy. But when they told him, hey, play three tech, it was a fine three tech. It's a fine three tech. All right, I think we're going to go ahead and cut this one. Again, my apologies, Cowboys Nation, for what happened with the with the, uh, the two streams. If you're watching this on playback, go go click the first stream. That's where we got into uh, Neville Gallimore, Bohanna, Hankins, took a couple calls. Uh, not Hankins. We got into Neville Gallimore, Bohanna, and Ghosted. We got cut out around Hankins. Uh, so run that back. Um, I was excited to talk about this unit because I do think with that small tweak, uh, this unit could could be uh, the key. 
the real key here to making this defense one of them ones. You've got the you got the edge guys. You've got the athleticism at linebacker. You have the unbelievable talent in the back end from a corner and, and a safety standpoint. You're going to need these guys to win the trenches, to help the edges, and make these throwing lanes that much tougher uh, for the cornerbacks and safeties. I'm going to try to get... I think it's Will Blackner, who's down there as an kind of an assistant, more of like an internship. Uh, he's down there working with the defense too. I want to I want to talk to him about some of these changes. Uh, I bet Floyd is going to be tough to get in, but I want to talk to one of these coaches, man, about some of the tweaks to this defense. Because if you go and look at the statistics, if you go and look at the film, you know the first two years in Dan Quinn's defense, there there has been a small little tweaks each year that have helped this defense get better in some area. And uh, I think this is kind of that last one, the final infinity stone to take it to the next level. I truly do. On the way out, do me a favor, y'all. Hit the like button uh, if you enjoyed the show, even with all the craziness that happened from a service standpoint or connection standpoint. Hit that like button. We'll be back here Wednesday, I believe. Wednesday. We're doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday this week. And then full go heading into training camp next week. So hit that like button on the way out if you enjoyed the show. Go ahead and share this for those Cowboy fans who are looking for real Cowboys content. Not the kind of that low-hanging fruit stuff that you get elsewhere. You're going to get the real deal stuff here in this community, especially here on the A to Z Sports Skywalker Morning Show. All right? And Wednesday, we'll run this thing back, probably talking about uh, another group, or maybe we'll get that rankings list going. I don't know. We'll see. I don't like doing rankings lists when it comes to the entire league. It's fun to partake in. Me personally doing it, no. Uh, but the team ranking list was fun that I did last year. Uh, I had a good time doing that. So maybe I'll, I'll start that up. We'll see what happens, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, let me appreciate that, Toxic, because there was a super chat. I, I read like one, but then the stream went to shit. So let me go ahead and check out these super chats that y'all dropped in here before we get out of here. We had, where we at? 17. All right. I got Towboat, but Towboat did drop one earlier. Super chat. And he said, finally, Sky has come back to the morning show. Yes, indeed, I did. Uh, Brother L, Brother L dropped one. Super chat. He said, the Wi-Fi didn't cut off. Sky did it so he can take more days off since he streamed. Three times already. Contract cheat code. You ain't slick sky. Hashtag studio. That'd be dope, right? If they'd be like, hey, we're going to pay you per stream type of situation, like an incentive. And just be like, ah, hey, man. Cut off. That's three streams a day. Run that. Uh, John Phelps dropped one. Super chat. He said, Mozzie will elevate the defense like Charles Haley did. That's That's heavy. Look, I'm putting pressure on Mozzie. That's a lot of pressure. You know, uh, Charles Haley obviously helped this defense get to the level that it reached in the early 90s and clearly the Super Bowl situation. But from a from a mental standpoint, from a crazed dog standpoint. So, you know, a lot of people real quick, a lot of people tell stories about Charles Haley. Got a chance to meet him a few times down here now since I've been able to you know go to the star or whatnot. 
I believe. I'm not saying I didn't believe the stories, but I got a ch I got a chance to see this man like off camera, off air. Charles a wild boy, dog. He don't care. He don't care. I would love to sit down and have a beer with Charles Haley. Just tell some stories. Uh, we talked to 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 uh, who was it? The Shark, Kenny the Shark Gant. He tell you some stories about him too. I was a crazed dog for real crazed dog but you need some of those guys to be one of them ones. that's how i see it <laughs> monday wednesday friday that's where we're gonna be this week just to give you all an update as we kind of navigate through this slow period but next week we full go the cowboys ramp up for training camp they fly out monday i believe they'll start to do slow things on tuesday and then wednesday they really ramp this thing up uh no pads and then We'll be down there for the pads. That's kind of where I want to be. I want to be down there when the pads come on the following week. And uh, we'll be able to give you some insights down there. All right. With that said, y'all, let me go ahead and press this button and get up out of here and talk to y'all Wednesday. Oh, yeah. You can put Charles Haley on my team all day and tomorrow. You got to have some crazed dogs. You just do. On defense. Deion Sanders said it best, but I ain't going to repeat it. Just go check that out. We out of here. Love y'all.